Chris was passed around the foster care system as a child, arrested 17 times before his 18th birthday. He was given a choice between the military or jail time. He became a Navy deep sea diver, drug dealer, and now the CEO of an eight-figure business. Come on, let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. All right, hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and as always, this podcast is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. And if you're listening to this and you've never heard of Forgiven Felons, but you've been listening to Background Check for a while, Forgiven Felons is a ministry that mentors, disciples, men coming out of prison, helping them get back on the right path. Our mission is to, to reduce recidivism by uh, helping these guys when they get out practically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And we really want you to know that if you have a loved one getting out of prison who maybe can't come to your own house, can't come to a friend's house, we, we sure don't want them to go to a state-funded halfway house. So go to ForgivenFelons.org. Check us out. Look at the house page. There's an application packet on there. And print that off and send it to your loved one and tell them to get back with us. Okay, so it is fall now. Happy fall, y'all. Have you got your decorations out yet? I know we're about to put our pumpkins out in the front yard that we that we handmade a few years back with some old fence pickets. So um, I, I want to know how you're enjoying your fall. What are you doing? Um, you could comment on this podcast. If you didn't know this, you can comment on this podcast on the show page. So if you go to ForgivenFellas.org forward slash background check, then that will take you to the show page where all the show notes are, pictures of our guests, and everything else, resources that we mentioned during the show. It's all on the show page. So, so that's where you can leave comments on the show. We'd also like for you to leave us a review and rating. If you're listening from the Apple Podcast app, please leave us a review and a rating. It really helps us get exposure Speaking of former or past episodes, a couple of them are really blowing up the charts. Life Giving Life, uh, uh, two ladies, Jamie and Rachel. Speaking of Recovery Month, which is September, their podcast is, is really blowing up. Go listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet. Reggie, episode number nine, Reggie and Michelle Hicks, their episode. They met through a pen pal relationship in prison and they've gone on 12 and a half years now. He just got out. So that's a great one. Number seven, Brian Kelly from a murderer in prison to the CEO of PEP. Ron and Don, episode number four. Richard Miles, episode number two. Listen, don't just listen to this one, man. Go back and listen to them all. Download them and uh, listen to them in your spare time while you're driving. So uh, you're going to love all of them. And we got some uh, coming up, we got some 
parole lawyers. We have a, um, a sexual abuse victim survivor who also likes to advocate for the perpetrator getting healed too. Uh, she's coming up next week. We're so excited about that one. All right, so my guest today, Chris Cavallini, has been featured in Forbes magazine, also on Fox News, and he is the CEO of Nutrition Solutions, an eight-figure business that has a second-chance program helping addicts, felons, and other knuckleheads like myself. He also hosts his own show, uh, podcast, Start Today. It's called Start Today. He's just an amazing man with a huge heart, a strong mind, and a very in-shape physique. You're going to love this interview. I enjoyed doing it, so let's get to it. All right, Chris Cavallini, welcome to Background Check Podcast, man. Thank you for having me. All right, now listen, um, all my listeners probably don't have the, the, the pleasure of knowing who you are yet, which is why I wanted to have you on, because I've been following you. I, I can't remember, I think because I follow Chris Gethin, uh, I followed him for a while, and I think, you know, how Instagram just kind of suggests people for you to follow based on who you've already following. I think I followed you based on that. Man, it has been a, an amazing journey just just hearing what you've been through, what you've what you've accomplished, how you started out in life. Sounded like a little like a little punk teenager like I was. Uh, but but I want to spend just the first five minutes, man, telling everybody who you are. We, we're going to get into what you do and why you do it. But, you know, who are you? Who were you as a teenager? What happened? Who are you? You know, who are you now, man? Yeah. First of all, thank you for the intro. And uh, I think it's really awesome what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I familiarized myself with your mission statement. And uh, I think that the world needs more organizations like this and people like yourself to, uh, to give people, you know, to give people a second chance and essentially do things a little better, show them, lead them into a better way of doing things. And I just think it's really admirable, you know, what you guys are doing. And uh, I'm glad to be here today. But uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, but basically, you know, my name is Chris Cavallini. I'm a 37-year-old entrepreneur, speaker, um, host of the Start Today podcast. Um, I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> um, I have a company called Nutrition Solutions. We're a national lifestyle meal preparation company. I started that in 2011. We work with some of the you know most recognizable athletes and celebrities in the world, and we work with a lot of just everyday people that are looking to just take charge of their life, their health, their confidence, and just uh, create a lifestyle transformation. And that's essentially what we help them do. Our company's doing pretty good right now. You know, we've had the the, the privilege of being you know recognized in just all kinds of uh, you know, media, both um, domestic and international, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, all kinds of stuff. And wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to say that because the, our beginnings were very, very humble, you know, to put it modestly. Uh, as were mine, I was arrested 17 times for my 18th birthday. My mother had me when she was 16. She was a drug addict. My dad took off before I was even born. And, you know, my, my mom wasn't, obviously uh in a position to take care of a child i mean she was a child herself yeah and, uh you know after a short period of time i was put in the care of the system and uh a little back and forth in my early years as far as uh being placed in social services and, and, and different foster homes and such and ended up back with my mother a couple of times and ultimately uh it just you know got to a point where i was interjected in the system bounced around, spent some time in foster care, group homes, 
things like that, you know, lived a, a pretty unstructured youth. And what obviously the research tells us is, you know, when if you're missing one parent or even a, a father figure, as it were, right. that typically manifests into behavioral problems later in life. You're much higher to, uh, you know, to break the law, to have problems with alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things. And, you know, I didn't have both of my parents, essentially. So I built up some anger issues, some resentment issues, insecurities. I mean, I had issues about my issues, if I'm being honest. But basically, you know, not having uh, that traditional sound uh, support system and, and structure in my life, I just was not, I wasn't on the path cognitively of, of becoming, um, you know, somebody who would do good in the world. And actually, right. you know, I ended up uh, living with my, my grandmother who, you know, she you took me in, which was which very, you know, kind of her to do. She had issues herself due to some things that my mother had put her through. So, you know, and she was, she was a grandmother. She, you know, yeah. wasn't able to instill the type of discipline in me and just the values and things that, that I really needed. So, you know, I started acting out my teenage years. As I mentioned, I was arrested 17 times for my 18th birthday. I, uh, I knew things were a little different for me as yeah. a kid, seeing some of my friends and some of the things that they had and some of the things that I uh, didn't have. And I kind of became aware of that. And I guess like looking back on it, started acting out and, and, and you know, doing things to, 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 to bring attention on myself because I feel like I wasn't getting attention. And, you know, everybody wants attention. Everybody needs to feel significant in some way. And everybody does that in different ways. The ways that I was doing it back then were obviously very unproductive and uh, started getting in trouble. And that started to escalate. It went from, you know, things like uh, underage drinking, trespassing, um, you know, possession of, uh, of, 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 of weed and, and, and drug paraphernalia back before they decriminalized it. And then it, you know, started to escalate to things like uh, assault, assault with a dangerous weapon. And, you know, eventually the state of Massachusetts gave me an ultimatum and basically said that I had the option of either going to jail for seven months or joining the military. Wow. Um, yeah. So I opted with the latter and joined the military where I spent five of the most rewarding, exciting, and uh, growth-oriented years of my life. Uh, military instilled in me a lot of the things that I didn't have. Discipline. What, what branch were you in? I was in the Navy. Yeah, I was a Navy deep-sea diver for five years. Wow. Um, I was fortunate to be in a very elite community where I had the, the privilege of working uh, under and just around some just elite, experienced individuals who uh, who showed me a better way of doing things. Um, you know, I, I learned discipline. I, I had a purpose. I had a mission. Yeah. Now, I had something that I could be proud of. And, and, and for somebody like me back then, that was a big deal. At that point, um, you know, earning my way into that community was the most significant accomplishment that I've ever uh, experienced at that point. So it was something I was very, very proud of. And the military helped me in so many ways. Um, I made the, the, the poor decision to get out uh, earlier than I should have. I got out after five years, had the, um, of course, the, the ability to extend and re-enlist, but I developed such a positive association with the city that I was stationed in, which is Jacksonville, Florida, that I, I guess, I mean, looking back on it, maybe there was a subconscious fear of, I, I would have had to change duty station, go to a different city, possibly right. a different country. And I guess I, I just didn't want that possibility of going backwards and regressing because 
after I moved out of uh, Boston and, and the area that I grew up, I started to feel better. I started to feel better about yeah. myself. I started to, to just to, to do better. And I guess I became somewhat aware of maybe the influence that that environment and the people that I had surrounded myself with was playing on my life. So I think that that was a big factor as far as why I just wasn't willing to leave where I was at. I got out basically from one night to the next, lost my mission. I lost my purpose, oh, wow. lost my structure. And, you know, it's very easy to, to, to get complacent and to go back to your familiar pre-existing shitty way of doing yeah. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Term when you don't have that. And, you know, that's absolutely what I did. I started working in the strip club and just, you know, living that lifestyle. And I just, I just didn't like the environment. I didn't like the person I was becoming um, when I was there. I still had a, had, had a bad temper and I was very prone to violence and aggression because I was so insecure deep down. I mean, that's why, you know, people act like that. You know, just started drinking at work and to make the shit more tolerable. And I just got to a point where I was so fed up that I ended up quitting the strip club to become a drug dealer. The true story. And I wow. spent, yeah, the next seven, eight years selling uh, anabolic steroids until one day, I mean, we'll get into more of the specifics, um, you know, when we delve further into the interview. Just one day, I just decided that I needed to make some changes. I wasn't happy with the direction that I was going. I wasn't happy with how I was feeling about myself. And I just wanted just different. I didn't want to regress. I didn't want to go back to being viewed how I was growing up. I didn't want to... Uh, feel like I wasn't in control. I wanted to move forward. I wanted to do something that I was proud of. I was sick of living a lie. And uh, I just committed to, to doing whatever it took for as long as it took to uh, to create a better life for myself. And uh, that's basically when I went all in on my personal development, started to spend every waking second that I had available to me, which I had a lot of time available to me being I was a drug dealer and had right. a real job, just learning and reading books, and just educating myself and watching YouTube videos um, this was back in, you know, like 2009, 2010, okay. um, just saturated myself with information that could contribute to the betterment of my life and, and help me become a better individual. And, you know, long story short, ended up starting the company in 2011, what it was then compared to what it is now. I mean, complete night and day, but, uh, you know, in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's basically how it all unfolded to gotcha. get me where I am today. How hard was that going from an unstructured teenager to a structured military guy? I mean, it was pretty hard. I mean, looking back on it, it was, it was really hard because when I got to boot camp and, you know, they're yelling at you and you know, they're yelling at you, even though you're doing the things that, that they're asking you to do, you know, for me, for somebody who was insecure and hostile and aggressive and just not mature mentally or like emotionally, um, yeah, it, it was hard. You know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I thought I was a badass. I thought I was a tough guy. Um, it, it was, it, it was pretty hard, but at the end of the day, you know, I realized that, uh, after a very short, a very short introductory period that my attitude was a heavy deter determining factor in how they treated me. And the worse my attitude was the harder they made it on me. So I, I picked up on that pretty quickly. But I was still, you know, one of their one of their favorites, and yeah. I was often singled out for certain things. And again, at the time, I thought that they were just picking on me, total victim mindset. But obviously, they saw in me what you know things that needed to be fortified, and they knew that I probably needed a little more work than some of the other guys, which is why they gave me 
that specialized treatment, which looking back on it, it was a privilege. It was a blessing. And I'm fortunate to have, have got that. Um, you know, at the time, I didn't really see it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, boot camp was what was not very difficult. You know, I, I knew I was there to start a new life. And, you know, I was away from the, I was in a pretty negative environment, you know, uh, back home, my living situation. I mean, you know, multiple times throughout my high school years, I, I, I was thrown out and had to sleep on people's couches or like, you know, crash at a, a friend and their family's home. And I was in a very negative household. So just being away from that, you know, was, was a definitely a step in the right direction, but I yeah. went through some training. Um, and then ultimately they sent me to dive school and dive school was, you know, six months, of very intense physical, mental, just academic, um, you know, training because they're trying to weed out the weak, the weak ones. They're trying to make sure that, you know, you have what it takes to be part of that elite community. And, um, you know, again, like it was, it was, it, it was hard at first, but looking back on it, I mean, it was, it, it was dive school. I mean, everybody yeah. that becomes uh, a Navy deep sea diver has to go through it. The training's hard. It's supposed to be hard. You know, when we realize that the more hard things we do, the easier our life gets, that's when the whole game changes. I and mean, yeah. obviously back then I didn't see the world the same as I do now. So now I know in dive school. <laughs> Don't they have a special test that you have to do underwater, blindfolded or something like that? Tell, yeah. us, tell us about that test. Yeah, so it's, it's an evolution. It's called confidence training. And essentially what it is is you're in uh, scuba diving gear where you have two tanks strapped to your back. Uh, obviously, you're breathing out of the regulator, which goes in your mouth. You'll have a mask on that's blacked out, and you'll be swimming at the bottom of a 12 foot pool, basically just hand over hand on the outskirts of the, uh, the walls. And at any given time, an instructor who is on the surface will come down and basically do everything in their power to disrupt you, to take away your tanks, to cut off your, uh, your, your, your air and make wow. just as uncomfortable as humanly possible. Now, what they do is they come down, they pull your regulator out of your mouth, They'll slam you against the ground, pull your mask that's on your face back so it snaps back in your face, and just do everything they can to try to separate you from your tanks, including uh, undoing the, uh, the, 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 the clips on the harness that holds the tanks on. You, you're not allowed to fight back, obviously, but you do have to stand your ground. You have to do everything in your power, which you know is a lot, to basically maintain control of your tanks while they're trying to take it away from you. Now, keep in mind, you're not breathing at this point because they've secured your air. Yeah. Prior to the pool evolution, you go through a couple of days of classroom setting to kind of work you up to this. And they basically teach you a procedure that once they leave you alone down there, which they, they attack you for about 20 seconds. Once they leave you alone, you then have to put yourself back together yeah. in a sequential process driven order that has been outlined for you. Everything has to be done down to the smallest detail, meticulously in order, or you fail. And basically what that is assessing is your ability to stay composed, to solve problems, and to make good decisions when in the most stressful environment humanly possible. Because when you're breathing compressed air, and we're at the bottom of a 12-foot pool, when you're breathing compressed air at depth for any amount of time, and you know, let's say they take your air away from you, you can't just bolt up to the surface and, you know, gasp for air up there. As you ascend through the, 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 the pool at that point, the air that you have in your lungs has the potential to 
uh, expand to the point where it actually causes your lungs to explode or causes an embolism. And at that point, it's game over. So that's all part of it as well. I mean, there's safety divers right there, very close by to make sure that everything is is, is controlled at any given time. You can give them, uh, there's a, a sign that they teach you that basically like I quit or like I've had enough and they'll leave you alone and the safety diver will give you air. But basically, you know, this is a way for them to assess your ability to, to operate, to navigate, to, to, to make decisions in a, a life or death situations in the most uncomfortable, stressful, imaginable circumstances. And it basically simulates some of the, uh, some of the, the, the missions and some of the work that you do later on. And if you're not comfortable in those situations, if you're not able to uh, deal with those worst case scenarios and you're not going to make it through uh, that evolution confidence training represents the you know the the at the time I believe the attrition rate at dive school was 70 percent and that evolution is where you lose the majority of them and is that a one-time deal pass fail or is it on a grading scale or yeah, it's, a, it's about a week it's about it's about a week long and they have different evolutions of it they have like you know light medium and hard and then they have where you're with a buddy and they, they do it to you and your buddy. So not only are you having to look out for yourself, you're having to look out for your buddy. Oh, wow. And, you know, they, 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 they make it challenging. And, you know, all these things, all these the, the decisions and thought process and making good decisions, you're doing it under duress. You're doing it while holding your breath in a very, very stressful, chaotic environment. Um, and, you know, that's, that's hard for a lot of people to be able to do that. I mean, I was one of those people who was difficult for me to kind of really keep myself calm and keep my mind clear in those situations. But fortunately, you know, I fought through it, um, you know, didn't quit. Although the, the thought, you know, uh, crossed my mind, not, not about quitting, but like if I would be able to actually do this, cause I had a hard time, uh, you know, the first couple of days in the workups, they do like workups that are like, don't really count. They're just yeah. preparing for the, the, the practice the, rounds. Yeah. And you know, it, it was hard. Um, but you know, like I said, man, the more hard things you do, the easier it gets, the better you get. So how much of what you've already been through in life do you think, I mean, because you went through a lot of hard hard crap and stressful <laughs> situations, how much of what you've already been through allowed you to uh, go through that test a little bit better? I think a lot of it did, to be honest with you. I wish I had an awareness of it back then because I yeah. think I could have maintained that perspective and with that perspective had a better attitude about certain things. Um, but certainly it played a role. I mean, you know, some of the things that were really, really hard for like other guys were really uncomfortable, really challenging. Like they just weren't hard for me. I mean, there was a couple, I mean, everybody, there's so many different elements to dive school. There's, you know, the physical, the academic, the mental, the craftsmanship and, and, and ability to actually do the things that, you know, you get tested on in the book and you actually have to do it underwater. It's, it, there's so many different elements and everybody has, you know, one thing that they struggle with a little bit. You know, fortunately, I was able to do what needed to be done to, uh, to earn the privilege of being in this community. All right. Well, after you got out, you chose not to uh, re-enlist. You got out and you said, you know, you kind of got out of your structured environment and you immediately got into, uh, you know, the strip club and that environment. What do you think happened in, in your mindset that made you do that and not stay in your structured environment? I mean, not, not, not to, not, not that where you stayed in the military, but just get out of the military and stay on the right path instead of going. Yeah. I just, I lost my mission. I lost my purpose. I mean, when I was in the military, I had a clear mission. I knew where to be, when to be there, what I needed to be wearing and you know, what needed to be done. I had a mission and 
I basically lost my purpose. And I think that's a big deal in life. You know, yeah. people, a lot of times just kind of float through life and, you know, kind of go nowhere and they get stressed out about the fact that they're going nowhere, but it's very easy to go nowhere. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have a mission, if you don't have a purpose, a driving force that, you know, gets you up in the morning, that gets you up early, that keeps you up late, something that you can actually be passionate toward. And I think that's a very big deal. And I think that's a huge element. A lot of people are missing. Again, back then I didn't have an awareness of it. I hadn't started my personal development journey. Um, but you know, for sure, I just, I basically lost the structure. I mean, structure is so important to the cognitive health of human beings. Like we need structure and we need structure that supports a positive outcome. And I no longer had that. So I just, again, like regressed into the familiar and right. re regressed into, you know, my old patterns, my old mindset to a certain degree. And, um, you know, essentially when you get, it's, it's, it's to that point in my life, you know, I had spent 18 years of my life one way and then five a different. And that, you know, that five doesn't override the 18. I had more years being a certain way than, than, than not. I think that that was just, you know, a huge contributing factor as to me just regressing back into doing what's comfortable, doing what was familiar and essentially getting my life off track for so many years. Now, when did you start your physical fitness journey and, and really get in shape, your whole body in shape? Was that the military? Was that already a hobby in high school? Or yeah, that, that was a hobby in high school. When I was in eighth grade, I remember I started going to the gym once a week. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, I was drawn to fitness. I, I, again, back then, looked at it as an outlet of something I could do to kind of make myself significant. You know, in eighth grade, not a lot of people were working out, right? Right, and, right. Uh, I started to work out once a week and I really liked it. I liked the way I felt. I liked just, I wanted to, you know, I think at the time I was doing it because I wanted to like be bigger and stronger and tougher than like, you know, some of the other people that maybe had picked on me earlier. Right. So I think initially it came from a place of insecurity, but I was always like, you know, active and working out and in the sports when I could be. I, I mean, it was hard for me to stay consistent because I was getting in trouble and having so many problems at home. But I always, always worked out. And again, there's levels to it. I mean, I, I worked out starting in the eighth grade. And, you know, I would say here I am 23 years later, still working out. But, you know, I, I'm now more focused and dedicated, consistent. I'm in better shape now than I've ever been in because, your fitness journey, just like your personal development journey, it knows no finish line. It's a constant work in progress. And the more you know, or the, excuse me, the more you, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you actually know. And it's always <laughs> a next level. And um, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's just such an amazing outlet for people to have because through fitness, we learn so many things about ourselves, about our lives. We are able to build our confidence. We're able to destroy limiting beliefs. We're able to do things to our mind that influence literally every other area in a profoundly positive way. Um, so I think, you know, people might look at me and look at the way that I'm built and, and, and have a certain stigma that comes to mind. But fitness for me is so much more about the mental than the physical. It's about having a superior quality of life, thinking different yeah. and just pushing myself past what's comfortable and taking advantage of those opportunities to do things that are hard to, to, to push myself past exhaustion to where the challenges and adversity that, you know, we face all throughout life in comparison 
are you know relatively trivial. Nutrition is a science. I mean, it, it, it truly yeah. it's 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 a, it's a science. It's an art form. There's so many psychological components, and those are things that we really focus on at our company. Is we try to make break the stigma of what the actual you know quote unquote diet process entails. We try to people typically have a a, a pretty negative association as it relates to healthy eating, and when they think right. of eating healthy and going on a diet they think of just gross bland boring food that they're not going to enjoy eating so at our company we put a lot of emphasis on the psychological component of it just by presentation variety just um you know combining different ingredients to create just flavor profiles that people have never experienced before because the only way that people are going to experience their lifestyle transformations and get healthy get fit and change their life is if they stay consistent and if they're not enjoying the things that they're putting in their mouth, that's a very difficult thing to do. So, um, so yeah. Well, I know you posted about it. And again, like I said, I've been following your journey for a while. You got sick. Was that earlier this year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how hard was that? I mean, <laughs> just hearing you talk about it on Instagram seemed like it kicked your butt. Yeah. It, it, and, and I haven't really even talked about it the full scope. And we don't, and we don't have to, if you don't no, want no, to. No, no, I'm completely fine with it. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, but I'm not one to complain. I'm not one to like, uh, you know, I, I see sometimes people like post a picture of them in the hospital with like no context. And it's like, they're obviously looking for some sort of like, Attention, empathy. Yeah. like I'm not that type of person. I'm the type yeah. of person that if I'm in hell, I want to do everything in my power to not let anybody be aware. I want on the surface to be cool, to be calm, to be collected. And as I'm fighting my way through hell, you know, I'm, I'm doing that in a way that doesn't impact other people in an unfavorable way. I think there is value about, you know, sharing the experience after the fact, once you've pulled yourself out of that, because all too often people go through problems in their life. One issue that they allow to consume them, overwhelm their senses, distort their thinking, you know, destroy their ability to make good decisions and their judgment to where it starts affecting and influencing other areas, whether it be an issue with a, a personal relationship, and then they bring that into the workplace, and then they stop eating good and exercising. Yeah. That rest. And now you've literally just thrown gasoline on this little fire, and now it's, it's, it, it, it's out of control. So as it relates specifically to this, I got, I got something, uh, it's called H pylori and I had it a couple of years ago and I went through an aggressive treatment process, uh, where I had to get a lot of, uh, transfusions, blood transfusions and iron transfusions. And looking back on it, you know, apparently I didn't go to get actually cleared of, of, of this bacteria called H pylori, which is fascinating because it's something that can actually stay dormant in your system for a year and a half, two years before wow. it actually starts demonstrating symptoms so basically i you know got to a point you know one day it was at the end of february beginning of march where uh i i mean i basically like passed out i, I stood up and then i'd like I, I i passed out and i was sweating profusely and you know i went to use the bathroom and i started just vo aggressively vomiting like black blood and then it started coming out the other end and I got to the, uh, the emergency room and, you know, obviously they started running tests on me and such, and they tested my blood and my blood was at a, a hemoglobin level four. And if you understand what that is, it's pretty fucking bad. When you're a yeah. man, yeah. when you're a man, my age, you know, a, a normal is 16. Yep. So 
I had a very low amount of blood in my body, which basically started creating a situation where everything was breaking down. All my normal functions started to rapidly deteriorate. And it was something that like, this doesn't happen overnight. It's something that gradually happens, but like, I just dealt with it. I just kept doing what I needed to do. And I guess, uh, looking back on it, you know, I, I, I know now that I wasn't feeling well, but normally you don't know how shitty you were feeling or how off things were until you actually feel well again. And I'm yeah. the type of person, the mindset that I have is like, you know, you got to go anyway, regardless of how you're feeling. You know, obviously health is something I prioritize heavily. So in my mind, I'm eating healthy and, and I'm, I'm taking proper supplements. I'm, you know, exercising, you know, in my mind, I'm doing all the right things, which I think those things probably prevented me from crumbling a lot sooner than I did. But ultimately, the internal bleeding that I had, I mean, that's how you get to a level 4.2 hemoglobin is you're bleeding internally. It got so bad that my body just gave out. Yeah, it was quite a process, man. I I got 10 blood transfusions in a matter of 72 hours. Wow. People people get shot and, you know, get, get one transfusion to give you some context as far as how much, how low my blood was. And then it was just, it was a journey back, like, you know, building my, uh, getting my uh, hemoglobin back up. And it's, it's, it's something that, you know, is a process and, and, you know, they wanted me to legitimately like be at home and, and laying down with my feet up every hour of every day. And that's just not how I'm wired. So I had to kind of find that dichotomy and that balance of, you know, taking care of myself, prioritizing my health, but still keeping everything else going. And this all happened at the beginning of the pandemic. So the pandemic kicks off. Um, obviously we have to make some adjustments with our business yeah. and uh, it was just a lot, but it, it, like it was such a valuable opportunity at the same time, because through that experience, I became stronger. Detaching yeah. from my business for a little while gave me the ability to see clear because I didn't like just go away. I just started not being in the middle of everything. And during the pandemic, we were fortunate. We actually scaled our company 32% during a global pandemic. I missed wow. An economical financial crisis. So it's one of those things that just I think really just proves that it doesn't matter what happens. Really, what matters is how you respond to it, the mindset that you take, and 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 you know the the values that you have for yourself. And, and for me, going backwards, regressing, it's not an option for me. And I'm willing to do what needs to be done and push myself and push the people around me to uh, to ensure the outcome that you know that that i'm after is achieved because i feel as a leader as the ceo of this company i have that responsibility not only to the team but you know to our customers that give us the opportunity that invest in us to help them you know do things a little better and i don't want to let them down so how, how many people you got working for you you get about 50 yeah awesome about 50. and did you have to put any of them i mean you said you did you've done good during the pandemic so you didn't have to furlough anybody let anybody go We've been hiring people. Been hiring people. Yeah, we've hired, awesome. yeah, we hired at least a dozen new people. Um, you know, one of the, well, I guess, one of the good things about being a nutrition company and and meal prep is your is that your mainstay is the meal prep. Yeah, for for okay. nutrition solutions, yes. Yeah, so you know, I, I've had I've had a friend who passed away um, from COVID nineteen. He did have a, quite a few underlying conditions. He wasn't in the greatest of health. And I think that that made it hard. He was recovering for two weeks. He was he was improving every single day to the point where the post on, on social media was um, was 
he's he's way better than when he first came in. Ventilators almost all the way off. They were doing dialysis, but it was it was working. Everything was going great. He was going to recover. And with, literally within an hour from that post, they they posted again, said, "You guys pray his heart stop. He never came back." And you know, Us. thank you, thank you. We have guys in our ministry, our transitional houses, you know, that are are fear fearful because they're they're overweight and they have some uh, underlying conditions. And I've I've encouraged them. I was like, man, no time like this crisis that we're going through that is attacking the most unhealthy people in our society. And, and it's proven fatal for most of them. What a great time to change your lifestyle, to change your eating habits, to change your exercise. You know, so hopefully it just gets better and better for you guys. I know you mentioned um, there was somebody that worked with you that, that's a felon. So do you guys do? <laughs> Shit, like a dozen, maybe more. So, so you all have any problem hiring people with backgrounds? No, I mean, like that's kind of part of our deal. I mean, that's some of the uh, some of the media that has been done about us is about our culture and how we hire convicted felons, people with uh, a history of substance abuse or or have served lengthy uh, prison sentences. So, I mean, look, like I have a past, right? Like I ultimately ended up getting in trouble and have multiple felonies on my record. And I figured it out. Like I figured out a way to, to turn things around and, and, and do things a little better. And I did that by following a, a process. I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware that I was following this specific process, but as, right. it, as it developed and I started to get results and my life started to change, I started to become more mindful of the things that were working for me. And I essentially instilled those pillars, shall we call it, into the ecosystem of our company because you know whether you're a felon whether you've been in prison and, and you know we're trying to start a different life or you're just trying to just get a little better and just get to the next level the process is the same you, know, you have to you have to focus on your personal development you have to put in dedicated effort time and energy into improving yourself you have to be grateful you have to recognize that even though you may not be where you want to be at any given time we typically have a disproportionately higher number of things going good in our lives than things that we don't. The problem is human beings inherently are wired to kind of focus on the negative. And if you focus on the negative, that's all you feel. That's all you see. And that's all you create and basically attract more of in your life. Yeah. So, and then, you know, giving back, like serving other people, um, contribution is super important. Like it, it helps you, gain perspective. It, it's, it's an opportunity to deploy gratitude. It's also an opportunity to uh, receive gratitude from the individuals that you help. And then, you know, through the physical and mental fitness, I mean, those are all things that have consistently helped me raise the bar. They helped me go from where I was to where I'm at. There's still things that I do every single day. Um, and I instilled that into our ecosystem here. And I thought that, you know, being what I've been through and, 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 and the experiences that I've accrued, it was the right thing to do to open this place up to people who had walked a similar past and basically show them, teach them what I've learned and help them find a better way of doing things. Cause I'm not a, I'm ignorant to the fact that like, it's tough. It's a lot harder out there for people who have a bad record or have, you know, this thing on their record or multiple things. And I just don't believe that a man or woman should be judged by a mistake they made or even years of mistakes. I believe that, wow through proper leadership, training, structure, and support that people can change and people can change drastically. 
and they can come in and they can contribute value and they can essentially create better lives for themselves and their families. Ultimately, that's really what it's all about is just being able to be in a position to give back and help people and show people a better way of doing things. And here we have a mission. Our mission is to help people create lifestyle transformations. And by having felons and people with these controversial past come in, we now give them a mission. We give them just that purpose of serving other people and doing things beyond themselves and their own needs. And that really changes, it just changes the landscape. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've successfully rehabilitated a lot of people as far as where they were when they came in here, where they are now. I mean, I got one guy um, probably a couple hundred foot from where we're at right now at our morning meeting about a month ago. He opened up, he'd been here about five months. And he said that when he started at this company, we, we knew that he'd served time in prison. We knew that he'd had some problems. He said when he actually started on day one, he was actually sleeping on a bench in a park. Nobody knew that. And it was such a touching moment because, you know, now he's in better shape. He's quit drinking. Like he has his own place, all these things oh, just wow. in such a better headspace. We have a, a million stories like that that I'm so proud of. But when you, you know, when, when you realize that, that it's possible and you know what to do, like you want to just do it as much as possible because, because you can. So what would you say to a CEO or a company who has a lot of people up in their upper management that, you know, is, they're perfect and haven't been in trouble with the law and that are just a little apprehensive about hiring felons. I run into these companies and CEOs all the time. They're a little bit apprehensive about hiring people with backgrounds. How would you encourage them and say, man, you just got to take the leap of faith? I mean, outside of the stories you've already told. Honestly, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily. It all depends because if you don't have, like with me, I mean, I've lived the life. Like I've lived that life. i lived that life for a long time. So I can see things through that perspective. If you don't have that perspective, it'll be very, very difficult for you to set these people up to succeed. And that fear, that, that anxiety, that those nerves about bringing those people on, it, it'll be really tough to get past mm, that. That's good. However, on the same note, if you know, you recognize that people make mistakes and you're willing to see past a mistake and somebody proves themselves in a capacity where they've taken responsibility over what has happened in the past and have made it very clear that they're very interested in just establishing themselves, turning over a new leaf, creating a better future. If you have the ability to recognize that sometimes like rock bottom failure, like just being like in the worst possible situation imaginable with you know losing your freedom being in prison all these things like people who know what rock bottom tastes like and feels like typically if given an outlet or an opportunity or a purpose they're going to do whatever they can to ensure that they never go back to that place so in certain situations with the right structure with the right support the right training and the right just environment as it were people who you know are familiar with rock bottom they could be some of your biggest assets but you have to be aware of that and open to that and you also have to understand like as a leader like your people their development their 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 uh, you know their growth felon or not felon like it is your responsibility as a leader you're responsible for everything that happens in your organization including the individuals within it so if you were going to do this you would have to recognize that these people might require a little more investment with time, energy, and training to get them where you want them to be or where they have the potential to be. And, you know, if you're willing to do that, 
then you know you absolutely should because it's one of the most rewarding feelings in the world being able to see somebody come in at a certain place and then because the opportunity that you provided them that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else because they wouldn't even get the interview because their background disqualifies them. It's just a great feeling, man. And, and the more the more we can help other people create better circumstances in their life, no matter how big or small, the more good karma comes back into our lives. Um, but it does require energy. It does require an investment with your with your time. It requires a great deal of empathy and compassion. And you know, it's 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 just one of those things where you get out of it what you're willing to put into it. If you bring in a bunch of felons and convicts and just expect them to come in and, you know, be these like polished, like smooth executive level professionals, no fucking training, no, no like you're going to, you're going to fall on your face. But again, if you look at it through a different lens and understand that these people have tasted the bottom, so they're probably going to be inclined to do everything they can to never go back to that place. So right. set them up, set them up to succeed, set them up and, 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 and just see what happens. And I think, in most cases, you'll be surprised. Yeah, that's so good. You know, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of sayings that you've posted over the years on Instagram that I've really liked and, and that have stuck out in my life. And one of them, uh, one of one of the posts says, "Discomfort is good," and and also an, it's an indicator of growth. So, yeah, it's an indicator of growth. It's an indicator of healing. Um, you know, meaningful suffering is one of the healthiest things that we can seek out as human beings. We have to do things that are hard. It does so many things for us on a just like physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual level. We were not designed, human beings, we're not designed to be in a constant state of comfort. In fact, yeah. like our bodies, our internal systems actually thrive and, and, and operate at a much higher level when we are uncomfortable. And the fact is, no matter how much we try to avoid discomfort in life, that's not a, a battle you're going to win. I mean, every single individual will experience adversity, hardship, struggle, and will get a taste of very uncomfortable situations. But when you're prepared because you willingly, voluntarily put yourself in those situations by, you know, doing the hard workouts, by taking a cold shower, by taking advantage of these little opportunities that are available to anyone at any given time, it conditions our physiology to just to be to be ready. It, yeah. Stress doesn't paralyze us. What will, the, the stress activates our best self. The, the stress activates us going to level ten as opposed to shelling up, hiding, quitting. You know, running away from the fucking problem, which is what most people do. So, purposeful, meaningful encounters with suffering and discomfort are amongst, you know, some of the most productive things and healthy things that we can do for ourselves as human beings. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, another one is don't stop dreaming simply because you had a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, how many times do people try something new and they start something and it doesn't go as well or as smooth as they initially planned? It doesn't happen as quick as they would like it to. Or, you know, they're doing it and then something else pops up and throws them off track and then they just regress back to their, you know, previous shitty ways of doing things and become complacent. And then they, they, they build up this association, like a negative association. They don't even want to try again because 
like they got punched in the face and it didn't feel fucking good. Like punching in the face doesn't fucking feel good. The thing is though, like the more you get hit in the face, it, it never feels good, but it doesn't feel as bad. Right. And that's the same mentality. Like you got to keep pushing forward. You get hit in the mouth, you bleed a little bit, you spit the fucking blood out, you keep pressing forward and you keep doing it. And you get up and you go again. And you fall short and you go again. And you know what? You fall short because you didn't do it good. Whatever. You do it again. The, the more you do it, the better you get. The, you you got to do things bad before you do them good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the key is in the, the, the repetition and, and the doing and acting in spite of your feelings. Because if you fail and you go to do something again, yeah, you're probably going to have those little feelings that remind you of what it felt like the first time. Whatever. Act in spite of your feelings. Stop getting so caught up in your feelings. They don't matter. They just fucking don't. They don't. And, and, and I mean that not, in, I don't mean to say that in an insensitive way. I mean to say that because you have the ability to act in spite of them. That right. is evidence that at the end of the day, your feelings really don't fucking matter. Two things I know about feelings is one, they're unpredictable and you shouldn't make decisions based on them. True. And, and, and whether the feeling is a good feeling or bad feeling, if you, you know, if you're, if you're married and you see another woman walking by and you get a good feeling about her, you don't need to act on that feeling. Uh, I, we try to teach our guys in the transitional house, you know, uh, we, we all read a book last year called emotional intelligence. And, uh, and it's just teaching us all to, you know, cause a lot of guys end up in prison because they don't know how to manage their emotions. Yeah. You know, they, they feel like they need another high. They feel like they want to go rob a store. They feel like they want to kill someone. They feel like all these are emotions that they're not able to manage. And once you're able to manage and in the back of that book, I don't know if you ever read it. Um, but they, they, they showed, uh, they showed a lot of the companies and how the, the, they call it EQ instead of IQ, EQ, your emotional. Yeah, emotional yeah. And they, and they showed the EQ of like CEOs, mid-level management and entry-level people. And, uh, and so it, that was, it was interesting, but um, all right. The last one I want to. Uh, yeah, emotional intelligence is important to that point. Like, and most people don't even know what the hell it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just being able to assess your own self and your own emotions and like act like, <laughs> When people make decisions based on temporary feelings and are influenced by how they feel in the moment, you are looking at things from a very limited perspective. That's what feelings do to you. Again, to your point, good or bad, they allow you to focus only on a portion of the picture. And right. you cannot make a determination as to whether a picture is good or bad or neutral if you're only looking at 10% of it. So we have to learn to separate from our feelings, detach from our feelings. And, and honestly, that's a very difficult thing for people to do. But yeah. the, the easiest way to begin the process of building your emotional intelligence is just being aware of the fact that this is something you do. Yes, you, who's listening right now. We <laughs> all do this to some degree. And it doesn't matter how profound your emotional IQ gets to be uh, as far as your emotional intelligence and like we all do this to some degree some a hell of a lot more than others by developing an awareness of yeah. it and learning to kind of make decisions and take action that are not based off our feelings but are actually in our like objective best interest that's where transformation happens and you know uh it was interesting at the beginning of the book they they give a little insight and two things that i noticed first of all the four categories of emotional intelligence uh, the very first one is self-awareness. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to be aware that you are emotional in that moment. You, if, if you can't even identify that you're you're feeling something about that, then then you got you. That's not good. Yeah, exactly. um, and that's a problem. Most people aren't fucking. Most people are unaware that they're unaware. Yeah, and then the second one is is self management. You've got to be able to manage those emotions. And then the third category is social awareness. How are you aware of other people's feelings that are around you? You know, uh, if somebody says something to you and you don't like it, are you aware of everything that's going on in their life? Did they have a bad day? Is that why they said that? Doesn't excuse it, but there might be a reason why they acted or said what they said. So social awareness, are you aware of somebody's feelings or what they've gone through before you say something to them? Well, you go out of the equation and realize not everything is about you. If somebody has a bad attitude, if somebody makes a comment, if somebody is off their game, I mean, you never know. That person literally could have got a phone call 10 minutes prior letting you know their mother passed away. Yeah. So being mindful of other people's feelings and where they're at and, 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 and legitimately, what I've found is the overwhelming majority of like conflict and uh, misunderstandings or uh, tension between people who think, oh, this person doesn't like me, that person, and I think he feels this way and whatever. I found that, you know, 98% of the time, those situations are immediately rectified on the other end of that conversation that you're avoiding. And not, not, only, not only is it rectified, you quickly realize that that person actually isn't that bad, that yeah. they don't feel some type of way and aren't being malevolent towards you. But all too often we get wrapped up in our feelings and we assume and ignorantly come up with these scenarios that try to paint this other pe- person as being like bad. And of course, to protect our and preserve our own ego, like, you know, surely we can do no wrong. So it's just a, a matter of just understanding that look, we are all on a journey to become the best version of us that we can possibly be. And in those situations, sometimes you got to put your ego aside, you got to swallow your pride, and just pull somebody aside and have an honest conversation with yeah. them. Unfortunately, most people aren't willing to do that because of what they perceive is going to happen during right. the conversation. Most uncomfortable conversations actually aren't uncomfortable when you have them. It's that initial workup, approaching, like getting to sit that person down. Most uncomfortable conversations typically go a hundred times better than what you thought that they were. And then after you you feel so much better, you're like, fuck, man, I wish, I wish we would have talked about this sooner. Um, So, you know, instead of letting it get to that point, just be on offense and look for opportunities to have those conversations and communicate better. You know, at the beginning of the book, it talked about the science of emotions and, and it described how the electrical currents in our body went up through the part of our the part of our brain that's called the limbic system, which yeah. is where all the feelings take place. But the rational part of our brain is up here. And so what they said was if you don't know how to manage your emotions, you're gonna make decisions while it's in the limbic system. And that's where all your emotions are are lash out, flare up. But if you manage those emotions, let those electrical currents about that topic, about that situation you need to talk about come up to your rational your frontal cortex, where all your rationale is, then that's where you said that's where the, the uncomfortable conversations, you know, get talked about in a, in a, in a cooler temperature. And they're not as uncomfortable as you thought they were to talk about because now you're not, not as emotional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and, and um, that can be as easy as just literally catching yourself in the moment, catching yourself, feeling stressed, angry, frustrated, resentful, emotional, and just stopping and literally 
going for a walk, taking deep breaths, or just stopping if you can't go for a walk, stopping in the moment, take five deep breaths in through the nose, fill your lungs up with air, and then blow it out. You do that five times, legitimately, whether you're stressed or not stressed, you're going to feel different at the end of that. These little things, these little things that we can do to quickly just de-escalate situations that we work up in our own minds. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're readily available and typically hidden in plain sight. It's our responsibility to familiarize ourselves with these little opportunities that we can take advantage of to, you know, navigate through situations that have a lot better, including uh, our own feelings. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, there's a, I don't remember if it's a post or I read it somewhere uh, in an article that you said or whatever. I think it was a post. Um, but you said the five things that separates winners from losers. Uh, and, and you, you, you listed the five, but underneath all the five, you went into deep detail. I don't need all that, but, uh, what are some things, uh, right offhand that you, that you believe, uh, in your own mind, in your own mindset and your own company that separate winners from losers? Well, the first thing just in life period is accepting personal responsibility, which is something that is lacking in, in, in our society, uh, immensely. And, you know, the last couple of years, it's gotten worse. The last few months, you're seeing it at levels that we've never seen it before. Taking personal responsibility over your life means you identify with the fact that your life is exactly that. It is your life. Therefore, it is your responsibility. You are in charge of the outcomes and the circumstances of your life. Now, are there certain situations like, like, like myself, like growing up, obviously I was in situations that I was in, I was subjected to abuse at every level due to the dynamic of, I mean, look, I was, I wasn't in a great situation and yeah. was I responsible for that? Did I, was that, did that happen because something I did? No. no. However, I am responsible for how I choose to go forward with that. Do I let that define me? Do I let that destroy me? Do I let that create a situation where I'm just a bitter, miserable prick with a tremendous amount of resentment towards everyone for the rest of my life? Or do I go the other way with it and take responsibility, defy the odds, put in the extra work that is needed? It's like, look, yes, I have these problems. I have all of these problems because of these situations. But you know what? Every problem has a solution. So I need to take responsibility over the things that need to be done to, 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 to heal, to fix myself to fix this resentment that I have built up, to fix these anger issues that I've developed, to manage and mitigate the insecurities that I've cultivated due to some of these situations and just horrible events that I was subjected to. Winners take responsibility over everything. Their life, little problems, big problems. Winners want to win, and they understand that in order to do that, they can't give control to someone else or something else. Like, the economy, the government, the president. Like, dude, if you fucking think that your life will be any fucking different in in like a significant way because of who is our elected commander in chief, like, dude, you are somebody who has a victim mindset. Yeah, you have a victim mindset, you have a fixed mindset, and that's not good, is my point. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying this because it's, it's a positive thing. Like your life probably would be different only in the sense that by this hostile, like these people that get so angry about things Trump, I'm going to say things Trump said, half the shit that people get upset about, he didn't even really say. And again, I'm not, I'm not a a huge Donald Trump fan. I support this country. I support our leadership and I support us 
moving forward as a nation in the most productive way possible. And I damn sure know that doesn't happen by sitting back on the internet bitching about the president. Like the president is not going to control what I do, where I go, the impact that I make, the circumstances, like the way that I grew up, the environments that around my family, like my, 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 like that is not going to define me because I have the choice to do the things. And it might take a long time. It might be hard, but you know what? I take responsibility over that. By taking responsibility, you basically set your life up to go in a direction that most people's lives just simply don't. Most people go their entire life without a purpose, without a mission. They stay stagnant. They're stressed the fuck out. They're unfulfilled. They're not happy. And they're not happy because they're making progress. Stop making progress because they haven't taken responsibility. It's easy to blame, you know, your, you know, you have maybe your, I mean, look, you should see my, uh, my, my mother's side of the family, all fat, like literally all fucking fat, like super fat. We could talk about like genetics and that played a role. It's like, well, yeah, that certainly does play a role, which is all the reason why I'm going to work out harder. I'm going to yeah. eat cleaner. I'm going to be more disciplined with my routine because I don't want that to happen to me. We could talk about, you know, people that just don't grow up with the education of how important healthy eating is. And then we could wake those people up and say, hey, motherfucker, that's everybody. Literally, that's everybody. They don't talk about that stuff in schools because they want us to be fat, sick, unhealthy, and reliant on prescription medication because the uh, obesity-related illness represents $190 billion of annual revenue. That's bill. So there's no really government incentive to teach people how to be healthy, to throw on some infomercials and such. But in all fairness, your doctor tells you, like, hey, do this. Don't do this. All the shit is on the internet. We know that fast food is killing us. We know on the box, cigarettes, it fucking says that this will kill you in some form or context, but people still do it. The problem is people don't want to, people want to, people want to get fat and then sue McDonald's. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and again, that's an extreme example, but you got to take responsibility. By taking responsibility, you take control of your life. You realize that just like you got yourself to wherever you are now, okay? And for a lot of people, myself included, that isn't ideal, right? That's not exactly where you want to be. But just like you got yourself there, you have the ability and opportunity to get yourself to where it is that you aspire to be. And that's an empowering feeling. Nobody, knowing nobody or nothing is holding you back from becoming the person that you want to become. That's something that you should draw inspiration from and be grateful for. Um, you know, but besides that, you know, winners don't make excuses. Again, I, this kind of falls into the personal responsibility thing. Excuses, like you know, to me, I'm just visceral to them. I don't make them, uh, so I don't, I, I don't accept them either. And that doesn't mean I never fall short. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And when I do, there is no excuse. I mean, there might be a reason. There might be a reason that prevented me in some way, shape, or form from falling short of the desired outcome but it does not excuse me not honoring my word and adhering to the commitment that I've set. You know, another thing that separates, uh, you know, winners from losers, winners have a plan. Like you, you got to have a plan going into every day. One of the things that I did um, that profoundly changed the circumstances in my life and, and allowed me to just become more productive, more efficient, more effective and make more of an impact is in 2016, I started planning my day out on paper. I wrote down a list of three to five tasks, three low end, five would be if they were kind of smaller, three to five things that I knew that I could execute that day and that I could handle that 
when executed would move me closer to my long-term goals. And it was a very simple thing to do. You write down the list and you execute the list. And you do that every day, you win the day. Yeah. You do it every week, you win the week. You do that every month, you do it every year, and you, you live a winning life. People are stagnant and they go in circles and they're not aware of it. They feel like they're working hard and doing all the right things. If you're just doing like, you know, the basic shit of what's required to not get in trouble or to just kind of continue collecting your paycheck, you can't expect to grow. The things that I'm writing down every day aren't things that like my basic duties, my basic, like, I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to, I'm going to go to work. There are things that are strategic in nature, high value. They keep my focus on the highest value targets that will be the best use of my time to help, you know, move me forward. But again, they keep you focused, they keep you productive and they just make you a hell of a lot more efficient. What's uh, what's another thing? That's good. I think you've listed, I think you've listed three more. So that was good. The last thing I, I want to want you to address was uh, last Christmas, you posted a little video. I thought it was really cool. Cause I think, I think the title of it says something about Santa. So that, that drew me to watch it. But then you basically just went into the fact that the best gift, you know, you talked about giving and receiving and, but you said the best gift that you can give ever is the gift of health to yourself. Yeah. Just talk about that for a little bit. Why do you think that? Yeah. Well, I don't think that I know that I, I know that other health, nothing else matters. Um, and I want to just make a clear distinction of what I mean when I say that, because I believe that in society right now, most people's idea of health and being healthy is sick or not sick. Right. So in people's minds, if they're not sick, they're healthy. And that's just not the way that it works. I mean, literally our health, okay, which is, which is determined and dictated largely predominantly by the foods that we eat, the exercise we do or don't do, and the sleep that we get. Okay, those are the three pillars of health. What we put in our body, what we eat, what we consume, there's absolutely no area of our life that isn't influenced by that. Mm-hmm. Our mood, our levels of energy, our cognitive function, focus, mental acuity, memory, your uh, sex drive, confidence, self-esteem, self-belief, all of these. And people just need to be aware of that. Like our health is one of those things where like this vessel that we were given and this reality a time that we spend in this reality in, in this, on this planet, like we only get one. We legitimately yeah. get one. It's not like a pair of shoes. We go after we scuff up a pair of shoes or, or they're worn down. We get one and we have a responsibility to do everything in our power, which is a lot to take care of our health. And we have to prioritize it as being number one. And the overwhelming majority of people don't do that. That's obvious. That's evidence in our community. It has to become your main priority. It's not an extra. It's not something you put time and focus and energy into after everything else is done. It's something that legitimately needs to be number one. Because by prioritizing your health, by prioritizing living a healthy lifestyle, which is getting some exercise, right? Making better choices with the foods that you're consuming and, and, and ensuring that you're getting adequate rest, every other area of your life will be better. Yeah. Your relationships, your confidence, your performance uh, in, 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 in the workplace, your mood, like your mood, like your mood, your vibe, it, it's everything. It literally influences what you do and how you do it. So if you're worn down all the time and tired and just don't have the energy, I hear that all the time. You go, man, how do you have the energy to do all this stuff? And it's like, I just do. Because I take certain actions that that is the organic 
positive consequence. Most people are simply unaware of how good their bodies are designed to feel because they don't prioritize their health. And I get it. Like I, I get the fact that people are unaware. They're, they're unaware that every decision they make, literally every choice that you make, everything that you put in your mouth is something that will either feed disease or cure it. Okay. Mm. And wow. after it, over, over the course of a, a, a time, eventually like it gets to the point where you're reliant on medication, whether we're talking about heart issues, blood pressure issues, issues with di- diabetes, cancer, everybody hears about people getting cancer. What people don't understand is the overwhelming majority of cancer is preventable and it's preventable by the lifestyle decisions mm. that we make. Wow. Discussed. That's not being discussed because again, our economy heavily relies on that income. That's where personal responsibility comes in. We have a responsibility to understand that we have to go out there and get that knowledge and seek out a better way of doing things. And look, like for people out, out there that are listening to this, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to try this for yourself because I often challenge people and I say, look, if you're eating like shit currently, it's fast food, whatever's convenient, nearest thing, drinking soda and all that bullshit. I was like, I want you to go one day where you no fast food, no soda, you drink a lot of water and you eat like just healthy, clean, chicken, fish, green veggies for one fucking day and do a self-assessment. See how you feel. You will feel different. Yeah. You will feel better. Just imagine how you then live your life going forward, about how you would live every day, level of consciousness that you operate on. You'd better you'd be a better human being. The quality of your relationships would improve. Your performance would improve again, like you're thinking at a higher level, so you're operating at a higher level. It's one of those things that helps us build confidence. It helps us build our self-belief. And it's also one of those things that it's a very simple thing and easy opportunity that we can immediately take advantage of to start building some positive momentum that will then circumvent and basically manifest it to other areas of your life. But yeah. you gotta start today. You know, everybody talks about, you know, summertime, their birthday, after the holiday, after the new year. If you are of that mindset, that you should, you need to recognize that as a problem. Why the fuck would you put off doing something that is objectively going to improve every area of your life? And by the way, you're already spending way too much money on food that's creating these and making you unhealthy and sick and, and, and more overweight. So you got to not look at it as like, I get this extra it's an investment. The food that we put in our body is an investment, not an expense. It's an investment. Yeah. That will give us an ROI, a positive ROI of epic proportion in every area of your life. But you got to go find that out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Yeah. All right. Well, you said the magic word that I want to segue into start today. That is your podcast. And I've listened to several episodes. I, you know, a long time ago when you first started, I listened to your, your, uh, your launch episode. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, and you got some great ones on there. And I think you're going to, I think you're going to actually uh, come on Zach, Zachary Babcock's uh, podcast, Underdog Empowerment soon too. I think I did. I think I did this before. You did his, you did the interview. I think, I think, I think you, you, you don't come out till next week on his. Okay. Uh, so I, I think when he, we post, he posted his whole July setup and I think you're in July. So start today. Great podcast, man. Everybody, you need to listen to, to this guy. Also nutrition solutions, 
nutritionsolution.com, right? And I mean, when they go to the website, what can they expect? I mean, what do they do? How do they order? How does it, yeah, how does I, it all shift? Like, I, I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch for Nutrition Solutions, but I appreciate that. If any of the things that were talked about in this interview resonate and you are someone who's looking to be a little bit healthier and basically take the decision-making, because it'd be a daunting task if you're not familiar with nutrition right. and you don't have to do it yourself, check out the website. I mean, we're basically a solution to make things easier and essentially make the process of expediting, reaching your goals and becoming the healthiest, fittest, just best version of yourself, uh, basically automated and, 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 and seamless. I mean, we're, we're in the business of helping people change their lives. If you're someone who needs help in that area, we'd be grateful to have you on the team. Check out the website and we'll go from there. All right. So two things uh, start today, nutritionsolution.com. How deep do y'all go with the nutrition help? Uh, macros and account macros and everything for people? Yeah. So we have different programs that are set up for deliver different uh, caloric intakes. We try to make it as simple as possible by giving them structure, by giving them variety, by giving them foods that they actually enjoy eating and yeah. like, like look forward to, uh, you know, to, to getting as opposed to starving them, making them eat like just the smallest amount of food that shit don't last. We try to feed people more actually to help them get the results and help them develop a positive association with dieting because most people simply do not. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to tell people, don't even call it a diet. Yeah. It needs to be a lifestyle. Well, Hey, listen, man, thank you so much. So uh, happy for you and proud of you that you've taken this journey that, that started off kind of bad with some things beyond your control and you moved into taking ownership and some good times and bad times of your life. And what is it? Uh, 11 years ago, you started started the company uh, 2011 about uh, nine years, uh, okay. nine years yeah. and, and it's just an incredible uh, I think I read somewhere where it's an eight-figure uh, business so I can't I can't thank you enough for taking the time it's been an honor and a privilege talking with you for the last uh, 90 minutes and man just it's all it's all up from here I appreciate you man I appreciate what you guys are doing um, there's anything I could ever help with with the organization I, I would love to, uh, to do what I can to support a good cause man I, I respect well, that. I will tell you this. I have two forgiven felon friends that live in Tampa and they keep bugging me to start a, uh, one of our resource centers and transitional house that we do here in Dallas. They keep saying we, we need to start one. We need to start one in Tampa. So if we start one out there, we might look you up and just kind of partner with you. And let me know. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on background check, bro. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Man, that was an awesome interview. And we have so many things to unpack, and I'm not even going to be able to unpack them all. But I want to hit a couple of highlights. First of all, man, if you think you, you've been through some stuff as a child, just go back and listen to the first part where he talks about his mom and dad, his grandma being passed around from home to home in, in the foster care system. You know, no wonder he was arrested 17 times before his 18th birthday. But, you know, even then, he talks about it later in the episode that he still he still took responsibility. I mean, the choices he made were his. And they, they weren't excuses. They were reasons. And he hits on that a little later when he talks about, you know, winners, winners don't make excuses. And so I like when he talks about his story, he says, you know, the reason I did these things – was this, it's not an excuse, it's just the reason I made a bad decision. You know, but I like the way he chose military, the Navy, over going to jail for seven months. That showed that he had a little bit of wisdom in him. And, you know, he 
he talked about how the Navy gave him structure. The dive test was incredible to know that what he went through helped him through that deep sea dive test. You know, when you're down there at the bottom and you have somebody unplugging your air and, and picking on you and, and pulling at you and trying to get their number one job is to try to get you out of focus and out of composure to lose your composure because they know if you lose your composure, you're going to make irrational decisions, you know, but I mean, even then when he got out of the Navy, he chose, he, he made a solid, maybe not solid choice, but he made his own decision to go a different way. He lost that structure. He lost his mission. He lost his purpose. You notice again, though, he, he took responsibility. It was, it was a choice he made. And but look at him today, man. He rose above everything. He 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 rose above all of that. He rose above his. He even has you know a few more arrests on his records for felonies, you know, in Florida. Even after he got his life together and was still making decisions that was causing him to get into some trouble. You know, he didn't talk about him too much, but he did get arrested in 2000. I think it was 15, and uh, had a few felonies. But you know, he he was facing some prison time. But God gave him a second chance. But one thing I like is that he he's never given up. He he took that time. He's used all his trouble and his bad decisions and the results from it as a launching pad, as as a way to make him better. And, you know, I mean in 2018, his business his it's basically meal prep. And if you don't want to make your own meals, they make them for you. And I know y'all know probably who Rob Gronkowski is, one of the greatest tight ends in the NFL. You know, in 2018, he was getting his meal prep done by Chris Cavallini. You know, so to go from that as a child, a teen, all the felonies, you know, to face prison time to, to, to an eight-figure. All right, now we know what six-figure is. We know what seven. Seven-figure is a million, but eight-figure is, is double-digit million, so – He's taking his company to new heights, new levels. But it's all, if you notice, nutrition is his number one thing. Mental health. He was all about emotional intelligence. He was all about not letting anything, even the pandemic. I mean, he he took his business to new levels during the pandemic. The um, one thing I really, really enjoy about him is that he has a heart for felons. He has a heart for addicts. He has a heart to see them come out of their past, rise above that background check, and and and, and be successful. And we talked about a lot of other stories that didn't even make it to the podcast, but he's got story after story of people he's helped. That, like he said, they don't all turn out. They don't all work, you know, like you want them to. But he's quoted in one area as saying, if three out of ten – turn their life around because I gave them a chance in my company, then it's, it's worth it. And I love it. You know, he, he talks about not focusing on things that you can't control. He couldn't control how he was raised. And, and the way he talks about this is the separation between winners and losers. Winners accept responsibility. Don't make excuses. You know, some things aren't your fault, but you can't use those as an excuse to, to not do the right thing, you know? And then he talked about how no matter who's in office as a president, it is not their responsibility to make sure we live our life right. And I just love that. 
but his number one priority is, is health. You know, he talks about what, you, what, what we put in our mouth, what we feed ourselves. The best gift you can give yourself, he says, is health, good health. And he said it has to be your main priority. It can't become second. He said when you assure that your health is good, every other area of your life will be better. And, and he said, you know, it's not because we don't know. You know, doctors tell us, and, and you know, even we as Christians, uh, we know the Bible tells us how to live or, or what kind of consequences we're going we're gonna to face. But still, you know, we still look at that thing. We still go do that thing. We still, you know, think this thought. We know the greatest growth gap, um, I like the way John Maxwell says it, the greatest growth gap is between what we know to do and what we actually do. You know, Chris Cavallini said the warning is right there on the cigarette box that it can cause death. <laughs> but, but we still smoke cigarettes. People, I like when he said, you know, we, we want to get fat than Sue McDonald's. <laughs> So anyway, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you uh, uh, people that don't like profanity, I hope you got past that and was able to, to hear his heart, hear his story. And I just I, I love Chris and what he does, and I can't wait to maybe open up a branch of Forgiven Felons in Tampa so that we can connect with them. Um, if you're one that likes meal prep, man, check them out, nutritionsolutions.com. We'll have the website on the show notes. Again, go to the show notes at forgivenfellows.org forward slash background check. So just go to the website and click on the background check uh, podcast page and you'll see the show notes. You'll see more pictures of Chris. And uh, I think if you're a meal prep person, you might, you might ought to take a look at it. All right. And I want to leave you with one of the last things he said, which was the food we put into our body can either help prevent or cure disease or actually cause it. That's powerful. So, if you don't get anything out of this podcast, know that anyone, whether they've been to prison or not, can rise above their health and medical background. Genetics, I mean, you heard him say it. You know, I think he said his mom's side of the family was all overweight, but that doesn't mean he had to do it. So thanks again for listening to this uh, podcast. But before I close, I want to I pray over Chris Cavallini and Nutrition Solutions. So if you don't mind, uh, join me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I lift up Chris Cavallini to you right now. I thank you for his company. I thank you for his story. I thank you have, for having your hand of protection on his life, on his family, on his company. I thank you for giving them the ability to rise above the background checks and hire people that need second chances. I pray that uh, he becomes this role model for all. I pray that seeds that are sown into his heart and mind grow and he and he becomes to you know maybe come to know you lord uh one day father i thank you once again for nutrition solutions i pray that their business thrives here at the end of 2020 in the last quarter and then 2021 is going to be their best year ever i pray you put all the people that they need in all the right places bring them some second chances in Jesus' name, we lift up Chris's family to you right now. We pray health over them. We pray um, the ability to thrive in their business and their personal life. And we just we pray over everyone that needs a, a healthy transformation in their life. That we pray over everyone that may have the same background as Chris, where they grew up in the foster care system and around some tough circumstances. 
we pray over you and your family, and we just we just say, no one's too far gone, and we know that. So we thank thank you, Lord, for letting us have some time with Chris Cavallini. Bless him, in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. All right, don't forget to check out the show notes. And again, if you're listening on Apple, leave us a rating and review. And we will see you next week where we will have Priscilla Bordeo, Michigan. Michigan, uh, Woman of the Year in, uh, I forgot what city, Lansing or something, but, but it's going to be great. You don't want to miss her story. See you later. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.